part two of our series XO, and, and I'm glad to see that you came back after next, last week. <laughs> Sometimes I get a little nervous about, about that. Um, and, and so just, uh, were you able to show love to anybody last week? Able to do that? I mean, I, I hope some of you were, a, were able to. I, um, I, I think Andrea and I, last Sunday, uh, after I got home, after packing up, that she left to come back to ladies' Bible study. And then when she finally got home, I, I think we said to each other um, something like, uh, I'm doing this because I love you, like a dozen times last, last Sunday afternoon and, and, and evening. We kept uh, doing that. Matter of fact, just, um, I don't know, I think it was Saturday morning, yesterday, yeah, yesterday morning, uh, we were in the kitchen she was mixing up some uh, homemade hot chocolate mix for me because I put it in my coffee in the mornings and I was out. And so she was making some of that for me. And I was digging through the vacuum bag looking for a puzzle piece that, that went missing for her. And so we're standing on opposite sides of the little bar, each doing something for the other person. And, um, and, and we were both like, hey, we're showing love to each other at the same time. Isn't that sweet? Oh, this is Valentine's Day tomorrow. That's nice. By the way, Andrea, <laughs> Valentine's Day tomorrow. I don't want you to forget that. Uh, so last Sunday, we, we talked about four different Greek words that, that all um, we translate as just one word, love. And, and so the Greeks had many words. We talked about uh, phileo and storge, and eros, and agapao. And, and that last one, agapao, that's the one that we spend the most time on because that's the one in, in the Bible that God uh, spends the most time on. And, and it's the one, it's the word for love that Jesus uses when he tells what the number one and the number two commands in the whole Bible are. And so we're gonna start off uh, where we were last week looking at Mark Chapter 12, so let's just jump into that this morning. One of the scribes came, they heard Jesus disputing with some other people, and seeing that he had answered them well, he throws his two cents in, right? He's gonna ask a question. And so he says, hey Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Now you can tell that the way he's setting this up, he's trying to trap Jesus, which is what all the scribes tried to do at that time. And so he's asking this question so that he can see what Jesus is going to say, and he thinks Jesus is going to say something wrong, and he's going to be able to use it against him. That's what's going on here. So he's, he's being underhanded when he asks this. And here's Jesus' answer. Well, the most important is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, with your mind and all your strength. Now that comes from um, Old Testament, it's called the Shema, and it's what the Jews even today will recite. Um, uh, typically in the morning prayer, evening prayer, they recite that. Jesus goes on to say, well the second command is, is this, it's like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and then he says, there is no other commands greater than these two. So of the 613 commands in, in the Old Testament, the 10 uh, commands that we know of, the 10 commandments, and then all the 613 others, Jesus says these two like, are superior to all of those. And so we understand that if you can keep these two commands, if you can love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, 
and you can love your neighbor as yourself, you don't have to worry about any other rule or law or command or precept of God. If you can do just those two, you've met all the law. You've, you've fulfilled all of the law. Now, the, the Greek word that Jesus uses here in, in both that we're to love God and then we're to love others as ourselves, that, that word is agapao. And the biblical authors and followers of Jesus, they basically redefined this Greek word for their culture and um, their context. And so when we read the Bible, when you, understand, when you get this idea, you read the Bible, actually the Bible is defining the word agapao itself. So here's what Vine's Expository Dictionary of Old and New Testament words says about this word agapao. And this is gonna help us understand how the Bible's authors were redefining this um, word. So, how the Bible defines agapao. The first uh, definition is this. It is used to describe the attitude of God in three particular areas. First of all, the attitude of God toward his son, Jesus. And we know that, that God loved his son, Jesus. There are several accounts in scripture where God like points that out. This is my son in whom I am well pleased, he said after Jesus was baptized. And so we know that God loves his son. And, and so the Bible defines agapao as the attitude of God toward Jesus. Secondly, it describes God's attitude toward humanity, God's attitude of love toward humanity. And, and we see that again from the beginning. He takes Adam and Eve and he puts them in this perfect place. And even though they sin, he still functions in love toward them. And throughout history, even though uh, the sin of people has, has brought the discipline of God in a whole bunch of varying and sometimes really horrible forms, God still reaches out and moves towards humanity, his people in, in love. We always are failing God and he always is responding to us in love. And I think one of the most perfect pictures of that, we think of just like modern pictures, is the story of the, par the prodigal son. The son, um, man, he shames his father terribly by asking for his inheritance before he's dead. Like he just comes in and goes, hey, uh, I don't wanna wait until you die. Just give me what you owe me now and I'll be on my way. And then he lives in a, in a way that defames the name of his family, of his father. And then when things couldn't get any worse, he comes home and he's like, well, maybe I can just live as a servant in my father's house. And then Jesus tells the story that the father saw this wicked, prodigal, awful son who turned his back on the family, who rejected him and who ran away to seek his own fame and fortune. And he sees him from a long way off and he runs to him and here's the picture of Jesus, what does he, or of God, what does he do? He puts his arms around him and he embraces him. And it says he, he, he brings a new set of clothes out and he kills the fattened calf and he puts a ring on it. Like he totally takes care of him. He loves him in that moment. And so agapao is used to describe the attitude of God toward humanity as he loves humankind. The third way that the word is described, uh, used to describe the attitude of God toward believers and disciples. And so the love that God has for followers of Jesus. And so these are all kind of separate ways and, and the number one ways that, that the word agapao is used to describe the attitude of God. 
Now the second way, and it's a little less used in the, in the Bible, is that the word agapao is used to convey how disciples were to love. So how you and I, as followers of Jesus, were to love each other and to love other people, people outside of our family of faith. And then the, the least used uh, form of agapao is to express the essential nature of, of God. So love, this agapao word, this is God. Love is God. God is love. It's inseparable from his character. So when we talk about love, we need to know what kind of love we're referencing because as I said last week, love is not love. Love is not love. Biblically, do I need to switch that? Okay. I'm okay right now? Okay. Uh, love, is, love is not love. And when we look at Scripture, certainly the biblical idea, there are different forms, different functions of love in different relationships that we find ourselves in. So the love you have for pizza is not the love God expects you to have for your parents, let's say. And the love you have for your teenage sweetheart is not the same kind of love that you're supposed to have for your spouse. The love you have for God is the kind of love that we're supposed to have for others. But there are limits to love based on the relationship that love is present within, okay? Limits to love based on the relationship that love is present in. And before we get off into the weeds, let me just say that like we instinctively know this. We understand this, we're talking, love is love, whatever. I'm telling you, it's, we know that this is not the case. We try to make this blanket statement kind of cover all of these things, but we know it's not real. When a parent crosses the line while loving their child, it's called incest, and we punish that. Nobody thinks that is okay, but there's love, right? So we know that love is not love. The same is true of rape. We understand that there are areas where love is not love, and you cannot use that word to define what is going on in that relationship. So God, in his agapao love for humanity, gave us boundaries for love and sex to protect us, not to punish us. And, and the world, and, and even I would say Christians, we, we look at the, the rules that God puts around love and, and we go, oh, God is trying to keep us from experiencing all of the wonderful things that, that love might bring into our lives. No, that, can I, let me just tell you, and I won't get into this because it get, will get me in lots of trouble, but let me just tell you, there's a lot of negative stuff that is associated with love in the form of sex. There's lots of, in fact, when I talk to young people, I'm like, look, Best case scenario is you might have a child that you're going to be stuck with for a really long time. And that's the best. Ah, okay, anyway. God gave us boundaries for love and every area, every aspect of our lives, he gives us those boundaries because he wants to protect us from the evil that exists and, and is a part of those, those things. He's not trying to punish us. He's not trying to keep you from experiencing all of the wonderful things that life can provide. He's trying to keep you from having to experience all the crap that comes along with it. 
So God is not trying to to get after. He's not trying to keep us from experiencing life. He wants us to experience life to the fullest. And when we don't have to worry about all of that other stuff, then we're able to experience that life. And so God's commands about love and sex, they are not meant to limit us in our relationship. They are there to help us fully experience life at its best while avoiding the negatives that come when we abuse love. So, when we talk about agapao love in this series, it's not a feeling, and it's, and it's not sex, and it's not fondness for something or someone, okay? It's different. It's set apart. It's a different kind of, of love. So, I want to look now at the next bit of Mark chapter 12, and we left it off last week intentionally. We're going we're gonna to go back and kind of revisit it. So you have um, a Jewish leader, religious leader, who's come to Jesus. His intention is to try and kind of trap Jesus, to get him caught up in his words. Instead, Jesus answers him really well. Uh, And he says the greatest command from the Old Testament, the Torah, as we understand it, the greatest command is to love God. And then there's a second one that's like equal to it, and that's to love others as yourself. And, And here's the religious leader's response, what we didn't get to last week. The scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. Woohoo! Yay. Gold star. You have truly said that he is one, that God is one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbors as yourself, that is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, this was brilliant, by the way. Like this scribe He gets it. And part of the reason he gets it was because remember that the Jewish forms of sacrifice given to God, uh, given through God to Moses on Mount Sinai, where you had to sacrifice an animal every time you sinned for different sins, they had to go through this whole process. It's incredibly um, intense, and I don't know how they kept it all straight. But the scribe says, I understand that our whole system of religion Everything that we've been doing as a nation for thousands of years, this is better. To love God and to love others. All of this stuff is secondary to those two things. And so when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And I like this line. And after that, no one dared ask him any more more questions. How could Jesus say to this religious leader, who who we know the religious leaders messed up all the time. Like they were not um, good people. In fact, I I don't think at any time Jesus said, uh, follow these guys because they've got it. They've got it down. They know what's up. Jesus never said that. In fact, what he he did say was, um, these are your leaders and you have to listen to them, but don't do what they do. Don't listen to them. Don't follow them because they've blown it. They've messed it up. They're not following after the heart of God. But in this case, based on this answer, Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And I'm like, how can he say that? You've probably heard me, if you've come here for very long, you've heard me say that we make present the kingdom of God in our daily lives when we live according to the kingdom's rules and principles and commands. When we live our lives 
the, the way the, the Bible, the apostles through the Holy Spirit instruct us to live. When we love God and we, and we love others, we love appropriately according to scripture. When we do the things that God tells us to do, we're making present the kingdom of God in our lives. And it's in every aspect of our lives. When, when we give financially, when we follow God, we give percentage giving, we're making present the kingdom of God because we're trusting God to provide, not our job or our trust fund or whatever else we, we have, right? And so when we live according to those principles, we're making present the kingdom of God. When a husband loves his wife and, and, and they're in union there, that's making present the kingdom of God. When parents love their children and, 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 and don't cause them to have problems like we're living according to the kingdom. There's all these things that God has said we should live like, and we're making present the kingdom of God when we apply those rules and principles to our everyday lives. Now, this man, this scribe in the text, he had the same problem, though, that we have today. We understand the commands of God. We understand the commands of God. I think that's the next thing. We just have a hard time undertaking the commands of God. Would you say that's accurate? We understand what God tells us to do. We understand what God wants us to do. We just uh, have a hard time doing it. I, let me say it this way. Uh, I know what the speed limit is. I just have a hard time following it. I, 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 let me, can, I'll confess to you. I'm not going to ask you this time, Sarah, if I can confess something. I know you're just going to say, please, go, go, go ahead. Uh, I, I, was, I was on the turnpike the other day. And I don't know if you know the speed limit rules on the turnpike, but they are few. Uh, basically, you can go as fast as you want on the turnpike uh, is kind of how it seems like it, it is. Um, and, and so I was late getting where I was going. And so I was going a, a little bit over the speed limit. Um, and, uh, and, and this car, whoosh, goes flying by me. And I, I'm in like probably 10 miles Fast, 10 miles an hour faster than I was going, zoom, goes, goes flying by me. And, and do you know what I did? I went, oh, man, where's a cop when you need one? My, and it was like two seconds of, of that, like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this guy. And then God was like, uh, Corey, you are exactly the same as him. And I'm like, no, wait a minute, God. Look, I'm not going 15 miles an hour. Over. I'm only doing five over. It's completely different. And then I w was reminded in Scripture, uh, if you uh, follow the law and you break even one part of it, you are guilty of breaking all of it. And, and so I'm like, oh, I love you, man. I hope you don't get pulled over. Anyway, do, do we feel that, Right? Okay, so we know, we understand the commands of God. We, we know them. You don't even have to be a Christian. I mean, if this is your first Sunday, you've never been to church before and you just walked in or you just tuned in, you probably know the commands of God. I could lay some scenarios out to you and you'd go, oh yeah, that's good and that's bad. It's the undertaking part that we have, right? It's the actual following through and doing the things that we're, we're supposed to do. I, I think that the religious leader in Mark 12, I think he loved God. I think he loved him as, as, as best that he, as he could. Because as a religious leader, he would have been meticulous about following the law of God. 
The problem that the religious leaders had was that they really loved God and they did all the things that he said to do. They really struggled with loving others, though. They just didn't do that well. They loved God. They did not love others the way that they loved God. And, And we really, we have the same struggle. I have the same struggle. And I'm, I feel like sometimes, wait, shouldn't God want us to love him more than anything else? Shouldn't God be at the top? And, and we go, God, I, I love you and you're the best and I'm, everything in my life is about you and, and there's nothing that comes close. You know, like others are, are not even a close second. Like if God is God, we should love him way more than anything else in our life. And that would be absolutely true of any other God that you might follow in in world religion. But when your God is agapao, love, when that is who your God is, your God says, look, if you want to love me, then you have to love others. And, And God basically puts other people on the same level as as him. And we don't get, like, we don't understand that. We come to church on Sunday morning because we love God and and we want to serve God and we want to worship God. And God goes, uh, the same love that you show to me, you should be showing to other other people. Ooh, we don't don't do that. Um, And so this kind of how this works. The more we love others, the more we love others. God. The more we love others, the more we're loving God. Like this is how God has chosen to receive love from us. If you love somebody else, you're loving me. Wow, that that doesn't seem, because let's just be honest. If I were God, I want your love. I want to be number one in your life. You worship, you serve, you give all this to me. And it's a really good thing I'm not God. Um, God. God is like, no, look, I love everything. I love all my creation. I love all of humanity. And so I've chosen to understand love from you as you love other people. And, and so I'm going to suggest today that we see love, agapao love from God in three forms. Uh, Two of those forms come from the giver, the the one who is expressing love. And then the third form is from the perspective of the one who is receiving love. And so um, let's look at, we're going to look at a verse. I've got got three verses we're going to look at. And then the form that that relates to, the form of agapao love. And then then hopefully we'll see how this all kind of comes together and and works out at the end. And and we're going to start with the most well-known most often read, most often seen verse of the Bible of any ever in, in, um, in all time. Um, and by the way, the word love in each of these translations is agapao. So we're dealing with the same kind of love in each of these uh, verses. So we're going to start out with the most known one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. John three sixteen. we all know that. Here we see that agapao, love, or the love God has for humanity as a whole, is the motivation for the gift that he gave us in his son, Jesus. 
For God so loved that it motivated him to do it. The love of God, this agapao love that God has, it motivated him to give the gift of his son, Jesus. But God's agapao love, it was so strong that it motivated God to act. And, and I, I think about this um, like maybe a, a bucket list item that you have, something you really want to do um, in, in your life. And, and you just, you cannot put it off any longer and you just finally have to go for it. Like it's motivating you to do whatever you have to do to, to make it happen. I, I, I would really like to go to the Holy Land and I'd, I'd like to walk in the places where Jesus and the apostles walked. I think that would be a life changing thing. I think it would be amazing to be able to do that. And, and, and so I, I have motivation to do that at, at some point in my life. And, and I wish that it only took motivation um, to do that and not uh, piles of cash that are being required to go to the Holy Land and go on that um, uh, tour. But you understand, motivation keeps that thing in front of you and it keeps you working toward that and someday, hopefully, uh, you'll get there. Maybe you have um, motivation, or this can be a strong one for some of you, maybe you have motivation to just feel the wind in your beard. And so you go out and buy a motorcycle. Would be good. Would be a great Valentine's Day present, probably right now. You probably get them cheap. Uh, go. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm, hearing from, I'm hearing from God. No, I can't say that. Forgive me. I'll let you, I'll let you handle that one. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, you're, maybe you're motivated to, uh, to get fit. And so you, that motivation then prompts you to watch what you eat and maybe get some exercise. Like everything in our lives that we do begins with a motivation to do that. Sometimes that's a positive motivation. Sometimes... That's negative motivation, but it's still motivation. It still starts with that. It's where it all begins. We've got to be motivated if we're going to love like God commands. We know the command. We, we, just have a prob, we just have a problem doing it because we lack the motivation to love like God loves. Let's look at the next um, passage of Scripture. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, this is a good one for Valentine's, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now here, agapao is expressed in the relationship between a husband and wife as an example of the relationship between Jesus and the church. And it's this love that Jesus, and as part of the example as husbands, are to have for our wives that causes movement toward our spouse that manifests itself in in sacrifice. And so agapao love is expressed as we move towards our wives in service, in love, as we do things for them. Um, as, it, as it says in it, scripture, uh, give themselves up, right? Jesus gave himself up. And, and that's really a, a struggle, you know? When you, you just got in bed and, and you're just getting the covers warm and, and then she says, I forgot, whatever. And then, and then you have to give yourself up and get out of bed in the cold and go do whatever has to be done. And, and maybe you haven't experienced that 
uh, happened um, two times this last week on the same night. Uh, I forgot this, and then I got it, and then, oh, by the way, I forgot this, and then I got it. But, but, but it's because I love her, right? And so I express, I move toward her, even though um, I really just want to get in bed and, and go to sleep. So motivation sparks this movement. The motivation to love for a husband, just like for Jesus, assumed was assumed because of the action that it produced. And so movement towards our spouse, it's not a gift like in John 3.16, God loved and so he gave this gift this is a willing sacrifice i love and so i'm going to sacrifice i'm going to move towards you and so husbands express love for their wives in the same way that jesus expressed love for the church by moving toward her in sacrifice verse 3 by this first john 3:16 we know love so we 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 can see love we understand it by this that he laid down his life for us, Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Some translations say for others. So in this one, John is saying, we understand love by this action. We're able to experience love or agapao in a physical way. And so we know what love is, Because Jesus, as our example, gave us a physical, tangible example. He laid down his life for our sin. And and I think here's where the religious leaders of Jesus' day messed up in Mark chapter 12. Because love's final form is material. Material. Here's where the religious leaders messed up. Love is experienced in the physical or the real world. And so when somebody sacrificially gives of themselves because of the command of God, that's experienced as as love, okay? So love has a material form to it. It can be felt, it can be seen, it can be heard, it can be experienced in the real world. So in the first two forms, motivation and movement, they are expressed by the giver of of love, the giver of the gift, or the one making the sacrifice. It's from their point of view. I love, it motivates me to move towards you in sacrifice. Let me give give you an example of what this is. Sometimes you might be out and about, and you might see someone, and your instinct is to move away from them. Maybe because it's the way they look. Maybe it's the way they're acting. Maybe it's the things they're doing. And, and you go, it would be better for me just to avoid that person, that situation, that thing. But love, the movement of love, we are motivated to move toward that, that mess. Right? That's the love. That's agapao love. It's expressed by the giver of the gift, the one making the sacrifice. But then it's experienced in the material form. Because love is understood or perceived based on a tangible physical action initiated by someone else. So we have both of these sides, the giver of love and the receiver of love, and it all, kinds of, all kind of comes together and it's experienced as this love of God that the Bible calls agapao. Now this is the love that Jesus was talking about in Mark chapter 12, the kind of love 
that God has shown over and over since the beginning of time. But I, I want to look at one more verse that, that I think this is just kind of um, fascinating. And so um, we're going to go back to John 3.16. For God so loved. And we talked about that already. God's uh, love motivated him. God so loved. His love just kind of bubbled over. It overflowed. And it, and it caused him to act. This motivation that, that he had. But, but where was his love aimed? What was it pointed towards? What, what was it moving towards? Look at this, the, the world. God had this great overwhelming love and it was directed at the world. That was the movement of God towards his creation and, and his pinnacle creation of humanity because God is constantly moving towards us even when we try to run away from him. Like you can't outrun God. He's always there. His love compels him. It motivates him to move towards you even at your worst. Scripture says it this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But movement. God moved towards us even in our sin. Even when we didn't recognize that we needed God, we didn't want God, we didn't know anything about God, he still moved towards us. So we have the movement of God. We have the motivation of God. We have the movement of God. And, and here's the next one. He gave his only son. And that, that sure seems like a material, physical expression of God's love to me. Isn't that neat? That in one verse, we have all of those expressions of of love, the motivation of God, the movement of God towards us as, as the world, and then the material expression of that love through the gift of his son. Here's why I think this is um, so cool. You and I, apart from God, are incapable of expressing God's agapao love to others when we haven't experienced it from him for ourselves. I heard this really interesting thing. I wasn't going to say this, but I'll throw it in. I heard this really interesting take. There's a, a story after Jesus is killed and he's, and he's resurrected, he comes back to life and he um, shows up to the disciples. And he shows up in a couple of rooms and he's walking along the road with a couple of them. And then there's a story of how they had, they'd gone out to, like they'd gone back to what they knew before Jesus. They were out fishing. And Jesus comes walking on the shore just like he did in the very beginning of the Gospels when Jesus first meets John and, and, and James and, and Peter and Andrew. And he's walking along the, the shore and the guys see him and they get out of the boat and they, they come up and they sit down and they share breakfast meal together. And while they're there, Jesus is talking to Peter. Now, now Jesus has told Peter on the night he was betrayed, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows. And remember, Peter's like, no, no, no. It's like, yeah, that's, that's going to happen. And then Peter does it. And then he ter feels terribly guilty. He's completely ashamed. He's just going to go back to fishing. He's going to like, God doesn't love me anymore. I've done a terrible thing. I'm going to go back to fishing. And here Jesus is sitting. He's resurrected. He's the king. It's this whole new day. And Peter's sitting there feeling terrible about himself because he denied Jesus. And, and, and Jesus says to him, Peter, do you agapao me? Do you love me? And, and Peter responds to him and says, um, Jesus, you know that I phileo you. 
says, I have a strong affection for you. I love you like, like a brother, close friend. Uh, that's the way I, I, I love you. I, like, I, I, don't, I can't love you. In it. Jesus says, Peter, uh, do you love me? Uh, do you agapao me? And, and Peter says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I love you like a brother. And Jesus, for the second time, says, feed my sheep. And then finally, um, Jesus drops down to Peter's lever. He says, uh, Peter, do you phileo me? And, and the scripture says Peter was offended that Jesus had asked him so many times. And he said, you know that I phileo you. Now, here's the interesting take about that. The Holy Spirit did not come in Acts chapter 2. And, and, and the take was that I hadn't heard before was, was this, that humanity was incapable of loving in the agapao love of God without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so maybe Peter was saying, I phileo you because he couldn't comprehend what it even meant. Why? He didn't have the Holy Spirit, which means he didn't have the motivation of God to love and to move toward him in the material. He didn't understand it until the Holy Spirit came. And then what do we see? Peter and James and John and the other, they are loving people that they would not have loved before. I think that's a beautiful picture. So let me say it this way. The way in which we love others is an indicator of how much we understand or have experienced God's love for us. Let me say it another way. How well we love others is a direct reflection of how much we love God. Does that like stick in anybody else's stuff? Like, ah, I don't know if I like that. I, I, I want to say, God, I love you more than anything else, even if I don't love this person over here that bothers me and is irritating and I don't like them. How well we love others is a direct reflection of how much we love God. So here's our challenge this week. To love in a way that God would love. Agapao the motivation and the movement of God in a material way. The love in a way that God would love. But last week I told you, love somebody that's close to you so you can get an idea of what it might look like. Sacrifice, whatever. This week, instead of someone you know, someone who's close to you, how can you show love, the love of God, to somebody that you don't know? to somebody that maybe last week you, you would have moved away from instead of moved toward. Because look, if your instinct is to move away, but instead you stop and go, no, God has called me to love and I'm gonna move toward this person. That's agapao love. That's God's love. I want to finish off uh, today with a definition that we started last week. It's a working definition for love. Love is what happens. It's the result when an individual prompted by God's spirit responds to another human with the motives and movement of God in a material way. And, and, and if we don't have those three things, 
if we're not motivated by the Holy Spirit working in us to, to do this, and if we're not moving towards that person in sacrifice um, and, and service, and if they don't experience that in a material way, then we're not really loving that agapao love that God commanded us to you. Let's pray. God, thanks for um, loving us as only you can and calling us to love others in, in a way that quite frankly, we are incapable of without you. And isn't that beautiful that you would partner with us in, in this and, and you would say, you would say, look, you can't even attain this without me. And so Father, we need you. We need you to help us experience your love. And then not just keep it or hoard it to ourselves, but show it to others. Help us, Father. Uh, help us to do that. To love like you love. To be motivated by your spirit within us. To love the un lovely and to move toward them and then that they would experience that in a material way. Not that we would say, um, uh, be uh, warm and well-fed and go your way, but that we would meet those needs when we are able uh, so that we can love like you. Help us to do that this week, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, next week, we're going to look more closely at marriage. I know that's the one you've been waiting so patiently for. We're going to look more closely at the marriage relationship, different expressions of love within that relationship, and what expressions should be present in that relationship. And we're going to do it in a little different way. We're going to, we're going to look at a house plan, like living room, dining room, kitchen, bedroom, bathroom, as a way to help us... <laughs> Yes, love for you is a garage. Uh, as a way to help us understand the different um, types of, of love that, that fit into a, a, a marriage. So I, I hope you will um, do that. Are we ready, Pam? Okay, you got your little uh, 